Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode two of season two, episode 54 overall. We are broadcasting from the Meaner True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric Fisher, the Big E, joined in person here by Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. And joining us via the Zoom room, Justin Dahl. Justin, how are you doing? And we're doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you boys have heard this, and I might be dropping a little breaking news on you guys, and I saved this directly for the podcast, but I made over the weekend, and then again last night, I made my return back to the basketball court. I am helping out with the boys' basketball program. Uh, We had a great win last night against Wasaki. Uh, it's truly exciting. So I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, good to be back on the basketball court, kind of rejuvenated my, uh, my coaching flow and, and had a lot of fun. So have you heard but other of, than that? I'm doing pretty good guys. Have you heard of taking a nap? I'm just curious. No, no. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a napster for the week. I can nap. I respect that. I'm very happy for, it. I, I saw that you were back in the gym last night as I saw, uh, a post of your child at a basketball game, but I did not know your involvement to what extent. So I thought you were just taking in a basketball game with the family, you know, a little Monday night entertainment. But yeah, good for you, Justin. Oh, put, put the tie back on and, and helping out my my uh, good friend, uh, Russ. He, he's, he's the guy that gave me my first shot uh, about... 17, 18 years ago in, in coaching, he gave me a JV job and God, you're old. just off the whim. And, and uh, yeah, ever since, uh, two years ago, he came and uh, he, he left O'Connell and he came and coached a year for me. And then he took the boys' job. He's on a second year with with the boys and had a little bit of free time. And, you know, one thing led from coaching my kid in fifth grade to uh, now I'm I'm fully embedded in that and to helping out on on the varsity and JV level. So excited! You started coaching 18 years ago. Were there even cell phones then? Well, it may not have been. Well, what am I? 35? I'll be 36. Yeah, something close. 17. Were there cell phones? You did not answer that question. Did, were there cars, or did you have to walk up yeah. hell both ways? My so my so listen to this, boys. My first year. Or the first cell phone I had was when I first got a car. When I, it was like 2002 was my first cell phone. It was a bag phone in my car. Ramsey and I were like in second grade, buddy. Hey, we were getting coloring books. Do you know how awesome high school was for me? I was the go. only dude with a with a cell phone in his car at the time. What world so war were they was. teaching at that point? <laughs> was that, was that, did they get to two did yet? They even, hold on. No, no, no. no let, let me rephrase Ramsey's question. Did they even have a second world war? Was there still the Great War of 1919? That was shortly after 9-11. That was, that was, that was a year after 9-11. So it was, it was pretty fresh in our minds. So that was the war at the time. That's not what the question was. That's the one they're teaching. That still wasn't the question. Oh, never mind. Never did mind. you have computers or did you have to use typewriters still? <laughs> we had computers. It was crazy. They would. We had a class 
to where they would test how many words per minute you would, and they would put like this this blocker over the top of your fingers, and you would get docked for how many ever words you spelled wrong. Justin, you can't you spell now. Meet, you had to meet like like to pass the class. You had to meet how like many words did you type per minute? Me? me? Oh my god, I have electric fingers. All right, so I I was like a ninety words per minute guy. How many words are typed correctly in those 90 words? 30%. <laughs> okay. That's, that, that holds true. That holds true. That holds true. I can confirm that. So anyway. Quality over quality, boys. True, true. All right. So with that out of the way, we are sponsored in part from our friends over at Raise Energy. 25 days of Raise Miss going on. And... My goodness, what a terrible pass that was by Matthew Stafford. 25 days of Raismus going on. Repsports.com, code ROOT4, 25 or 15% off any order on the Raise 25 days of Raismus. Brought back another one of the limited flavors, that being the strawberry lemonade flavor. So if that's your thing, go check it out. Otherwise, they've got plenty of products over there. You know, they've got their basically their whole lifestyle. It's the, you know, the sleeping supplements, the pre-workout, the energy drinks. The bottles, the t-shirts, it's all there. Repsports.com, code root for 15% off any order. And our other friends over at monkeyknifefight.com, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Root for Wisconsin show. And guys, at this point, I guess we say it every week. If you're playing, if you're watching the Packer game, Devontae Adams, Mark Andrews, Aaron Jones. Easy money. Did- Putting money in your pockets is all it is. Easy money. And we're in the holiday season. You know, we're buying gifts for people. Why not get some of that money back? To us. That too. We like gifts too. If, you, if you're out there, just saying. We'll, we'll give you the Root for Wisconsin studio address. I'm a size uh, 30 rack of bushlight. I'm also a size of 30 rack of bushlight. Twins. Hmm. Let's hmm. go. PBR. Oh, PBR. Not bad. So with that, we start with the positives of each episode. This is sponsored by Fanatics. And what we had rooted for, Fanatics, show your love for your team with over 300-plus powered stores, whether that be NASCAR, which is gearing up. They had the pictures of the Coliseum coming up for the Clash at the Coliseum. If you've got your NASCAR driver, check it out. Football team, Packers, first team to clinch the playoff spot. Get your playoff gear, Fanatics.com. Hashtag love on, show your love for your team. And, boys, what did we root for? I know that we talked a lot about the Packers. We're going to talk a lot about the Packers today, so I'm not going to let any Packer talk in this conversation. Oh, that's weak. That's, that's terrible. Why would you Yeah, what else is even going on this weekend? I'm sure we have some things we can go over. I think, Ramsey, I know what you're going to say. It was a pretty right. big I'll fight the other si- night. I'll backside. I'll backside your stupid little no, no Packers talk. Let's All hear right. it, Justin. Enlighten me. I'm a, I'm gonna root for my fantasy football teams. Why? That's what I rooted for. Aren't I, you in the basement? I ass. I kicked ass this week in my money league. I kicked ass. All right, in my big money league, I kicked ass. And in this uh, little podcast league that I barely pay attention to, uh, that I you know just look at with my good lazy eye that I ponder at every now. And then, I kicked. Five fields ass this week. All right, one of the basement consolation game. Congratulations. Hey, hey, who cares? I'm moving up the racks here. I was, I think I was last place seated. 
You know these are two week. Like, these are two week matchups right now. What? Oh, are they really? They are. Yeah. So that is stupid. That that's how that's most stupid. fantasy leagues well, go, then Justin. I, then but... I then I apologize to five year old. <laughs> I hope he doesn't come back and kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put this on. We'll put your tape just on repeat and give it to Jordan. Oh, and he will just Fife coming He's down from the top rope next week. God Fife dropping it. the people's elbow from the top rope. For, that's yeah, what I'm rooting for this week. I'm also rooting for that. Stafford's <laughs> killing me right now. Do you see the only terrible thing is, is Wilson's killing him. So. It's all good. I don't even know who he... Th- I mean, I saw who he threw it to, but I don't know where that ball was going. That was awful. Uh, Ramsey, your root for from the last week. I guess I can't see the Packers, the, the Jake Paul fight. That's where I thought you were going in the first place. Big money. That's all. All the money's over there. That dude yeah, is making big money to Tyrone so much, Woodley. So much money Jake Paul made this last year. Yeah. I mean, the amount of money that Tyrone Woodley put, took... To take that dive that oh, he took. That was go. the hardest, Here we biggest go. dive I've ever seen in my life. Are you uh, kidding so... me? He twists his hand. He twists his hand, all right, to send him the signal. Throw that. Throw that right hand at me. Here's my dive time. Did because you? I've got you cut. I've got you beat. Here it is. Here's your dive time. Put that $5 million in my pocket. Done. Game over. There ain't no way... Woodley has ever fallen like that in a fight, even with four ounces of gloves on. All right. That is the worst dive I've ever seen in my life. That's terrible. You can't tell me that that's not a dive. I sure can. Cause you didn't watch it live. If you watch the fight live, that was not a dive. I don't think Tyrone Woodley is a great fighter. I don't think he's a great boxer, obviously cool. a great UFC champion. I think we can all agree on that. However, speaking, live watching that fight, that was not a dive. And all these clowns on the internet come out and go, oh, look at this small twitch of Jake Paul's left hand. Like, no, that's not how it looked. If you slow oh, everything. sent them the signal. That was not a signal. That was a fake body he shot. Tyrone Woolley went down to block, and Jake Paul came around on the outside and knocked him the fuck out. You could hear it. Like you, That was... Regardless no. of, oh yeah, you could you could hear on TV. No. Did you watch the fight live? I was. Yeah. Did you buy the pay per view? No, I didn't. Then I you're know. automatically discredited. You didn't watch it live. It anything. If you didn't buy the fight, I don't want to hear people going all oh, this fake. Buy the fights. Support uh, a boxer. You just want to support your hey, local boxer. Hey, let me tell, yeah, support let me your tell local you boxer, Ramsey. Let me tell you something, Ramsey. All right. Just because I didn't buy the stupid fight doesn't mean I didn't watch the stupid fight. Huh? No, you didn't buy it. Huh? You don't get a you don't have Think a, about a vested interest. Think about it. He's saying he 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 uh, might have watched it That's like fine. a sick bird. Well, dude, go ahead. I'm saying you didn't buy it. There's no vested interest. Of course you're gonna say that. You guys know if you ever want to watch Jake Paul, you can come over to the house. I'll have it on. What? I'll have milk. What did pizza. you think, Eric? There'll be some nachos. So I did not watch the fight live. I did see the videos. Um, I've seen it in in real speed. I've seen it slowed down. What I will say is slowed down. I can kind of see where people would say the stupid, you know, the the lines of oh, it did look, you know, it did look like it was a a sell job. 
watching it live, if you're not knocked out, there's just an instinctual, like, he would have braced his fall. Like, I watched that from every angle. I don't think it was fixed. I'm going to go on record as saying, I you just naturally, you just don't fall down going to sleep like that. So I do think Paul caught him. I didn't watch enough of the fight to see how it was going to that point, but I do think he got him. I would say this about the J-Paul in general. Is he a little corny? Yeah, his fights are... I would say he's a lot corny as a whole. Sure, he's corny. His fight leads up are corny. He, in general, is kind of more a WWE wrestler than a true boxer. I I could probably say that. There's a lot more um, WWE old macho man takes versus legitimate boxing takes, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's selling a fight. He's a he's promo selling, He's selling a fight. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. He's realized that he can make a boatload of money by fighting old UFC guys. And that is what it is. And no matter what, you can't say that he's not a legit fighter because he does train every single day to be a professional boxer. Is he ever going to be Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, no. Insert boxer here, probably not. Because honestly, he's going to fight way too high of a weight class to probably, he gets smashed by Tyson Fury. How but, long would that be to watch, though? Oh, uh, I'd pay money. <laughs> I've bought all his fights. I mean, I've, I'm in on Jay Paul. For what it is, though, it is entertainment and he is selling a fight. And regardless of what everyone else says about the fight, I buy the fight. I'm like, I was entertained. It was worth the $60. Or I don't know. It was it sixty bucks? I, I have no idea. Whatever it was. So, at at this point, as well in his career, it's to the point where he's past being able to not to fight like the Nate Robinsons of the world or other YouTubers. He's a professional boxer to a point. Like I said, I don't think he's ever made anything great. I don't think he's ever going to be a world champ of anything. But I think there's a lot of money to be made in this subset. of of boxing that's kind of like a celebrity-type boxing. He's going to find these retired UFC guys, he's going to find older boxers, and he's probably going to make a bunch of money doing it. And I'm, I'm there for it. I'll buy him. I'm interested. I'll watch it. Did, did you read today that he offered Masvidal... Jorge Masvidal, $5 million and a cut of the, the pay-per-view buys. Exactly. He's making a bunch of money. Just Right. I'm just saying. And here's the, pro- here's the problem. I want you to critique Woodley's, Woodley's actual amount of action, how busy he was. Was he there to fight him? From what I saw, and I was just kind of trying to follow it on Twitter and, and watch the, the videos that people post and, and kind of view it for myself, not read the, the people. This is my own thoughts. But from what I saw, it looked like Paul was cut from what was a collision of heads. Is that, am I correct it on an, that? It or? was an elbow. An elbow. Okay, and, so. And from, from what I saw, they it was pretty much a hug fest. Do okay, so we'll hit on that real quick. Do I think Tyrone Woodley was there to win? I do. I think that that was a 
goal of his to win that fight. On a, what, 10-day notice, he's not going to win that fight. Like I said, Jake Paul at this point in his life is training every single day to be a professional boxer. So if you pull a guy off the street on 10 days notice, obviously that's not really going to go Tyron Woodley's way. I and arguably Woodley was winning the fight, wasn't he? No. Woodley might have won a round or two, but Ooh. what the knockout was in the sixth, right? I believe sixth so. or seventh. No. I think and sixth. Jake, I would have had Jake Paul probably won four or five rounds. I wouldn't say the fight was really? all that close. And the thing about it is, is that I think Jake Paul, again, at this point, regardless of what Tyrone Woodley did, it, that's kind of irrelevant. I think that he's good enough now on where he is that you can't take a fight of his on 10 days notice and expect to win. So regardless of, and that's just my opinion on the take. I mean, I get why people think it's corny and I get why people don't like it. But at the end of the day, I think Jake Paul is putting on, putting out a good enough product that he's a professional. I mean, that's what it is. I don't know how good of a professional he is. Like, Honestly, I'd be a little iffy if uh, Tommy Fury takes that fight against Jake Paul. I, I don't. I guess I don't know where he's going to line up against a professional boxer, because I think Tyron right. Woodley. One of the things that Jake Paul benefits from, and has benefited from the last few fights, is that he's not fighting a boxer. He's fighting a UFC competitor, fighter, right. fighter. You see fighters seem weird. But so you're fighting a UFC guy, and they've been trained to do something one way their entire life, and now you're going to... Well, it's such a different... I mean... Right. We saw Conor just probably past his peak with the Floyd match. Right. um, Where it's so night and day different, where you're, you're limited to what you can do versus when you're in the octagon... You are trained. I mean, some of these guys are jujitsu, wrestling, right. uh, kickbox. You know, so many different things where it's not just standing up and punching. And that's where Jake Paul is gonna get some of these UFC guys. And it's not. I, like I said, I'm, I wish the Tommy Fury fight would have happened because I would be. I'm actually very curious to see where Jake Paul is as a boxer, and it's a really hard. It's a really hard measurement to figure out where he actually is right now because mm-hmm. he's not fighting professional boxers. Mm. He is getting better, though. He looked a lot better be- from the last fight to this fight. So he is improving. He looks better since Ben Askren. He's getting better. It's not like it's a... It's not like he's just like half-assing it and putting time in. He's putting time in and getting better. So yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I I agree with that hundred percent. I just think the even the the quality of boxer like that he could face. You you know when you even if you were to compare like a Conor McGregor to uh, Woodley, like that's still night and day to the ability of boxing, right? Like I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Conor's Tenfold the better boxer than Tyron Woodley. Are we sure on that though? I mean, at his well, I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I'd. There's say no I'm way sure. I would argue it the other way. I Put so it that way. I guess that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I think that 
UFC guys are going to struggle against Jake Paul going forward. Because like I said, at this point, he is doing, he's not doing YouTube really anymore. He's not really doing social media. He's training to be a professional boxer. So UFC guys, I think, are going to run into a struggle against Jake Paul regardless of where they are on the boxing spectrum, right? Whether it's Tyron Woodley or Conor McGregor, I think that Jake Paul is training to be a boxer. So these UFC guys, I think, are going to struggle against him. I don't think we'll ever actually have a true understanding of where Jake Paul is until you line him up against a professional boxer. And, you know, if he, if he comes out and beats a professional boxer or even doesn't beat him but looks competitive, I mean, that's, that's going to say a lot about what he's been doing. Yeah, I think he's working hard at, at the craft. I just, you know, the I think he could have even found a better person. I don't, you know, look, Tyron Woodley was going to sell. He, he took Tyron Woodley on 10 days notice. Why not? I get it. I just want him to fight somebody that's a boxer. Well, I think that's just not, a boxer. Um, it's, it's I don't care. I don't care if it's an amateur that's making his his first professional debut and you're going to pay him big bucks to take the fight. Well, even Tommy Fury, though, they were really? saying that should be rescheduled for sometime this spring. Like that, there that should happen within the next four or five months, probably, depending on Tommy Fury had what a uh, infection, like a lung infection or something. I don't, I don't know. It was something to do with either ribs or an infection or something. So I would anticipate there being that Jake Paul, um, Tommy Fury fight by the end of, for sure, end of twenty twenty two. So I think we'll get our answer on what Jake Paul really is sooner than later. I would say it's, in my opinion, it's worth buying the fight just to, for the curiosity's sake of saying, okay, what is Jake Paul? Cheap entertainment. The undercard was an undercard. I mean, Frank Gore and uh, Darren Williams was pretty entertaining for what it was. So I guess that's my take on it. Gore got his ass knocked out, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Darren Williams. Darren Williams had the reach <laughs> advantage on him. And Frank Gore looked tiny compared to Darren Williams. Not tiny, like, but short. Yeah. So wow. the, that reach advantage I mean, come is a on, big deal. How many, how, many, how many hits to the head has that guy already taken in his life? He's like, that's crazy. That he's that anybody would allow him to box. Supposedly, they were saying on the stream was that he is he trained in boxing forever. He's been going to boxing gyms and throwing down a little bit. So supposedly, he's a running back and trains at boxing gyms. Well, he went down. That's for sure. Fucking yeah, <laughs> Darren Williams. Williams. A I don't know. All right, my quick group force before we move on. Uh, first of all, shout out. This probably deserves more than just a quick root for, but Badgers Volleyball, national champions, got the yeah. job done against Nebraska Saturday night. Got to watch that a little bit. Uh, so shout out to the Wisconsin Badgers winning their national championship, another title to Madison. Also, 
the other shout out I got for my root for Alfonso McKinney, the product of UW Green Bay, got a second 10 day contract from the Bulls. Uh, right now, I think he's averaging five or six points a game, playing some meaningful minutes on a pretty up and coming team. Yeah, the Bulls are pretty good this year. So, congrats to him. Looks like he uh, has he's been tearing it up for the their G League affiliate, and then uh, hopefully this is something to stay and can keep on the roster again. This would be his fifth NBA season with a fifth different team. So, uh, shout out to Al McKinney. Hopefully, it can stick and. Uh, once again, Kiefer Sykes still tearing it up uh, in the G League as well. 12 points average for him. Uh, just about, actually 13, I think, is what he dropped uh, today. He's like, they're actually playing the Wisconsin Herd. So shout out to the Green Bay guys and shout out to Badger Volleyball. From the positives, we go to the negatives. And Tyler here, no of the week. And Ramsey, you got one? Or do you want to miss I, skip I don't you? really think I have a nugget. Did anything really egregious happen? Over the last few days, I'm gonna I'll, I'm I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna, maybe this will help. So I'll draw I, a jump in if it's something I feel strongly about. So initially, when I was playing this out, I was gonna say NFL officials, and by NFL officials, I initially was thinking, um, kind of the heads of the NFL who all season we've had games where co- players were on the COVID list, and it was kind of tough shit. Figure it out, and then this weekend hits, and granted. Higher number in cases this week and among NFL players and really kind of surging across the country, especially the state of Wisconsin. But um, to the point where we're back to Tuesday football, which I'm not complaining about. This is kind of fun to watch during the podcast. I think the NFL should play every day of the week. But to the point where, like I said, just no. changing kind of the, the the point where we're changing rules on the fly and and because we got these big primetime money games happening on Saturdays now and and everything with that, I I don't love it. I get why they did what they did, and I think this is probably the better way that they should have handled it in the first place. Does this make a difference in Packers versus Chiefs? Ultimately, no, because Rodgers wouldn't have been cleared till the week after. But, like I said, just kind of one of those things where I didn't love that. But then, last night happened, and just another perfect example of how the NFL needs full-time officials instead of relying on lawyers who are in shape. And just an awful game. The Bears-Vikings game. First of all, just two teams you know, can't stand either way. But awfully officiated game. First, they lost control of the game. And then when they tried to get it back, and it became so ticky-tacky and it got chippy, just terrible noogie to the NFL referees as well. Hmm. Man, I... I like the Tuesday football. I like the Monday. I do too. This is not complaining about Tuesday football. This is complaining, stating about how, like again, like I said, for up till this point of the season, it was always kind of tough shit. It'll either be you play with what you can do, or it'll be a forfeit. And then when they kind of faced that scenario, they went real quick to go back on their, on their word. To the point where, like the Eagle. This is just one example. I'm sure there's others, and this is just the kind of the one that I had heard. But the Eagles are a team that have one COVID case on their team right now. I think they've had two all year and are kind of being, I don't want to say penalized for it, but having to play on Tuesday and let the Eagles get some of the, or the, get the Washington football team, get some of their guys back and, and hopefully be able to play. So I, I don't love that when, like I said, up to this point, it was if the team can't play, it's going to be a forfeit. That's my problem with it. I get that though. I'm, I'm going to say, 
I'm rooting for the NFL to add Tuesday all the time. So we have football and Saturdays. I don't hate it. I do like this Tuesday night football. I'm just saying, like, from a consistency standpoint and from the element of this probably shouldn't be the way that it got handled on paper, I don't like it. But I do like the results, so I, I'm not going to pump my mouth either. Why are they playing a Tuesday game? Two of them. Um... Because the Rams had a bunch of people in pro, uh, COVID protocol, and so did. I don't think the, the CX had like yeah, but nine. One of, them, one of them was scheduled, though, wasn't it? Not initially. I think, because obviously they don't usually schedule Tuesday games. I think they had to move some games from Sunday, and they couldn't do like four on Monday. There was something where they didn't want to have it all on Monday, like from a network perspective either. Because they got to give the networks their time and their money too. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, this is good for everyone in general. Like I said, give me Tuesday all the time. Yeah. More money. Yeah. More money flowing into a sport that obviously doesn't need more money, but the more maybe we get full-time officials if we can generate a little more income. Because I agree, and I would also like to say, I'm not sold on Justin Fields. I think I like Mac Jones rather than Justin Fields at this point. Wow, that's easy. That's an easy. I know, case and to you've make. been saying that all the time, Justin. About that, I don't. But I don't know that I. I don't like Justin Fields. <clears throat> There's nothing. He hasn't had great protection. Um. There's nobody in the backfield to really threaten. Um, to to put eight guys in the box, so when you uh, when you counter that, and really the only true threat that scares the defense would be Allen Robinson on that offense. It's, uh, you know, and he's been off injured this year and not really trying to put himself out there since he's playing on a, a, a franchise tag right now. It's, it, it was a recipe for disaster to start with. Now Mooney has showed flashes Comet has showed flashes, but the consistency is just not there. And, and like I said, if he if he can't sit in the pocket, a la like how Mac Jones has been able to, for the most part, and this is a, a little homage to you, Ramsey, about how the Patriots' offensive line has always been historically good. If Fields can't sit in the pocket and see, he was never that in college. And he's never going to get there fast enough in the NFL. He's good enough. He's just not going to get there fast enough in the NFL to, to really boom start his career. See, I agree with that for the most part. I would say, though, that when, he th- when he's throwing the ball, it doesn't look like he's all that accurate. And I, I don't mean to say that like as... He can never get accurate. I'm not saying that he can't. It kind of goes back to my um, talking point on Eric Stokes from a few weeks ago that you can't do the little things wrong. And I understand that you don't always have time in the pocket. And I understand that he's a little more of an athlete. And those guys tend to like to move around a little more than a traditional quarterback like Mac Jones or kind of even Aaron Rodgers to this point in his career has kind of turned into more of a 
inside the pocket quarterback versus what he was five years ago. And yep. I when you do when you're moving around the pocket, it makes less accurate passes unless you're an insanely good arm talent. I don't know if I see Justin Fields' arm talent. You can see Mac Jones. There's a couple times where even Mac Jones, and I've not necessarily been the biggest Mac Jones supporter, and even I would say I'm probably still not the biggest Mac Jones supporter, but there are times where you look at him and go, that was a really accurate pass. Like He put that ball where it needed to be. He read the defense. I just don't see that with Justin Fields, and it's really a weird thing because I didn't think that was necessarily the case with him. See, with Justin Fields for me, and I think, I mean, there's so many examples of this throughout the time, and there's so many factors to it that it's not, you know, it's not to the easy to the eye to see. Is that lack of pocket presence? And it's really easy to say that he's missing wide open reads, but he's also having a terrible offensive line in front of him too. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of both at the same time. But just there's so many times where if he just stays in the pocket and just takes that extra half second. And, you know, we saw, I can't remember exactly what the play was. I think it was a completion to MVS on like third down for 20 over the middle that Rodgers had. Cornerback blitz. Right. Rodgers doesn't even look at the corner and just has that presence to stay in the pocket, make his read. If he takes the hit, he'll take the hit, but it'll probably be 15 too. Right. And I don't think Mac Jones has that right now. Or, excuse me, not Mac Jones, uh, Justin Justin Fields. Fields. And he's so quick to to bail on the play and scramble instead of staying with the pocket and staying with the reads and and everything with that. And I think that's just something you get with maturity in the league. And overall, just kind of probably having a better confidence in your, your offensive line where you don't have to scramble every play. But... And that's so consistently with a lot of when you see young quarterbacks struggle, and you saw this a little bit with Jordan Love in the game that he played because he got blitz fifty one percent of the time. You saw it early on um, with Trevor Lawrence, where they're not used to being, you know, taking some of these rush packages and having defenses flying up them the way that they are, where they they're too quick to quit the play and just try to make something happen instead of stick with the play, stick with the read. I think I have a nugget now. Go ahead. Kind of talking about. I don't think we hit on this. Um, I guess mine would be the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer. Okay. I think that has just been. Yeah, that was after we recorded. Absolute disaster down there with how that team has been run. How Urban Meyer was as a head coach, and it's it's a sad thing to see because you have what a lot of people widely regard as the best quarterback talent to come out since Andrew Luck, and he's going to get wasted in Jacksonville because they can't get something as simple as a head coach, right? And that's just... Uh, well, and it's, I think there's a lot of factors to that, too. But I think it's more than that they didn't, they didn't get the head coach right. I think it's that they picked a guy who was so used to college and they didn't give him the transition time, but also the fact that... They were so quick to kind of quit on a culture that could have been built. Not saying Urban Meyer was the guy, because that was a shit show from the beginning. That might be dumbest forever of the year. Going for next year. year. However, if you also, if you kind of think about it, when you're a head coach and you come into a new team, there are guys who have already been there. There are guys like, I think the big example of this that kind of led to, or not the one that led to the firing, but one of them was how Marvin Jones 
who's been a very good receiver his entire career. Right. Not going to be a Hall of Famer by any means, but has been a very solid guy over his career where he has a an ideas clash with, with uh, Urban Meyer. And so it was kind of just destined to fail because you have guys like the situation where he brings in Tebow, he brings in his friends, and you know so quick to turn on them. So it wasn't a good situation for him either. But the big thing was ultimately, I think in a way that the the Jaguars were too quick to quit on him though too, because you have guys who are pro athletes who don't oh, necessarily boy. have the culture on him either, and they didn't buy in. And I don't know if that's – I'm not saying that's not Urban Meyer's fault because it very much is too. But you gave a guy 13 games, and he screwed the pooch at every turn too. So I really I really don't know. But the whole situation has been a mess. And it's, it's – oh, I think they they waited way too long to, uh, to fire his ass and, and move on from him, to be honest with you. The guy was from the get-go was a walking disaster in that whole franchise. And at the second problem, they should have just got rid of him, counted their losses, and moved on. Uh, to think of it, the only thing that Trevor Lawrence got out of this year was he got playing experience. He's going to go into his sophomore year, uh, a whole new playbook, whole new staff, probably new personnel all around him again. He's essentially a rookie again. Uh, I think it was a lost year. I think it was, they could have, they could have done something different um, and, and cut their losses earlier and, and given Bevel or somebody else a true shot at winning the uh, actual head coaching job instead of the interim job. Kind of, uh, it didn't play out the same the same way, but kind of like what Las Vegas, uh, the Raiders are doing right now um, with Rich Basaccia. And I just... It's one of those things that it, it sucks because you have such a good quarterback talent, and it kinda... I would, I would let let just promising. I would say promising. You have a great arm talent and a promising talent. No, he's a great. He's a good quarterback. There's a lot there. I've watched him a couple times this year. There's stuff there, and the fact that he's still able to be an adult and not. Completely, he's a leader for sure. Yeah, and I mean, he's a leader for sure. There's... He's got the arm talent for sure. He's got all the tools for sure, and he's a good uh, kid too. Because we're talking, we're talking about a guy who could have just went out and just blasted Urban Meyer the entire time he was there. And there's other quarterbacks in the league, like even Aaron Rodgers, for what it's worth, will completely shit on an organization when he arguably has one of the better rosters in the league. And you have not heard a peep out of Trevor Lawrence being an issue. And we're going to go into year two now and have basically everything that he's learned in the playbook-wise just completely thrown out. And it's one of those things, too. If Jacksonville can't get the right coach, it's all for naught. I mean, they have to be. The second coach has to be right. You can't expect Trevor Lawrence... 
and even Baker Mayfield added this a little bit, where you can't expect these guys to have three or four coaches in a row uh, that just don't work. Right. So I guess that's right. It's just kind of a shame that Jacksonville is as bad of a situation as they currently are. Because I think the league's better when Jacksonville's good. I think that they're, I, they're, I think they're a good draw. Sure. No, no doubt about it. You know, when, when you go back to the days when even when Bortles was there and he led them to uh, the AFC championship game and he almost took them to the Super Bowl. You're, you find yourself rooting for the underdog in Jacksonville to, to accomplishment, accomplish that. So I don't, I, it's gotta be, it can't be a college head coach. It's gotta be a guy that has, that's young enough, but experienced enough at the same time. Uh, and it's gotta be an offensive minded coach. Is this where Eric Bannerman gets his shot finally? I think Doug Peterson. I don't want him to be a first-time head coach, Doug Peterson. You had, yeah, I think that's a great matchup, Ramsey or Matt I Nagy. To- I totally agree. I really like Matt Nagy. I know a lot of people are down on him, but I think Matt Nagy's a really good head coach, and I think that that would be a decent fit in Jacksonville. Um, How about Josh McDaniels? I don't think he leaves at this point with the Mac Jones project underway. I agree with the premise. I, I'm with Justin, though. I think that I would want a. Well, he's not a first year to, or first time guy. But it's he's not necessarily known for being a head coach. He's known for being the offensive coordinator right. in New England. You know, and not saying that it can't be uh, Josh McDaniels. I don't think Josh McDaniels would leave to go to Jacksonville, though. At this point, there's only a. I mean, I think the. I it's mean Jacksonville, so they're going to pick the wrong coach. But <laughs> I, you know, it's just I agree. I think there should be a veteran coach that has a lot of experience. Even Eric Bieniemy, I wouldn't hate. I'll that. I'll tell you what. If this name was still out there, I wouldn't have hated it. If Mike McCarthy would have been available at this time, I would have said that that would have been a great matchup. Yeah, I mean. I don't it's a pretty think so. Pretty anti Mike McCarthy house. I, I don't but, think so for the style. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is, but he he's done wonders in Dallas. He he was pretty good until he started button heads with Rodgers. And him and Rodgers were, you know, silently having feuds. Rodgers was calling plays by himself, moving on. You know, he he's done a good job everywhere he's been. Are we sure, though? Because Dak even seems to be regressing right now, though. Dak's not been getting better since Mike McCarthy's been there. The weapons around Dak have gotten better. But the issue that we've had with Dak is that if they can't rush the ball, Dak's not good enough as an arm talent to overcome deficits other places on the team. We're not talking about Dak. We're talking about a team. The team is winning. They're they're close to winning. They're close to the number one seed. Yeah, but I, 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 do you think Dak is getting better as a quarterback? I I don't. I think that we've seen him kind of plateau a little bit for the last. Well, I mean, obviously barring the leg injury, but since Mike McCarthy's been there, I haven't seen an improvement that I'm like, oh wow, Dak's throwing the ball better. There, his average yards per pass was like five point six. 
So he's going back to what he was doing when he was a rookie and just kind of doing checkdowns and not being able to push the ball downfield. And arguably, Dak has some of the best weapons in the league. I mean, that receiving core of Gallup, Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, and you still can't average more than 5.6 yards per pass? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Ramsey. He's he's thrown for 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Sure. He's got a QB rating of 98.1. Okay, so below average. Or below what, what is considered to be good. He, we've got to remember, we're paying this guy $40 million a year. That's a 98 passer rating with, like I said, arguably the best receiving core in the league. Yeah, I would kind of hope that's what your numbers look like. And I watched, so they beat up, and I know this is the same conversation I've had with Tom Brady before, but we talk about people benefiting division. He's playing the worst division in football. It's true. One to four, that's the worst division in football. So again, I would hope your numbers look good. When he went up against Kansas City, and at the time, Kansas City, I think we can all agree, wasn't a great defense. They were getting better. They are starting to play a little better at that point. But Kansas City walked all over him. Even the Raiders did yep. on Thanksgiving. I'm not saying Dak's not a good quarterback. I'm saying that Dak is limited when, if he's not getting production in the running game, he's not a good enough arm talent to overcome that. And again, I try not to make that indictment on Dak because I like Dak, even watching him on Hard Knocks. I get why they paid him. He's a leader. He's oh. a great locker room guy. And it's just, I, he's limited as a passer. And that's just what he is. The defense well, for Dallas has been playing very well. I, I think Dallas is a good team. I, I'm not saying they're not going to win Super Bowl, though. You can see that right now. I mean, they're, they're going to play some of these better teams coming up. They, they, I think they have Arizona this weekend. And there's going to be some... It's a whole thing of Here's, Dallas looks really good playing sub what they are teams. But as soon as they start playing some of the big boys, they kind of get their ass kicked in. Yeah. We went pretty far down the rabbit hole on this one there, Rand, or, uh, Eric. Yeah. Did you do your nuggie yet? Uh, well, I don't. I'm good with not doing a nuggie. We've, we've hit a couple nuggies. In, in just all the conversations that we've had. Fair enough for me. So with that, I guess we might as well. Is there a Badger report? Anything new with the Badgers, Justin, besides the national championship? Yeah, there's a couple guys that have elected to um, not come back. Uh, the Badgers will have to replace not only both their starting wide receivers next year, they'll have to replace both their starting cornerbacks. Uh, a backup defensive tackle who was uh, really, really worth something. Um, and Bryson Williams, he, he was a good player. Um, looks like the, the Kimberly product in um, Logan Bruss um, or Tyler Bruss uh, is not going to come back for his uh, COVID year. Uh, so that opens up a right tackle starting position and Tyler beach at left tackle. Uh, some say is still up in the air, but I would be um, a little dumbfounded if he did come back. He, 
he was on the brink of losing his job and he's got a shot at making the back end of the draft with, with a uh, height stature speed kind of thing. Uh, kind of like uh, Cole Van Lannan did um, last year. Um, there was some exciting news on a personal front for me that is regarding the Packers coaching staff. I don't know if you guys have heard this. It just came out today that um, Virginia Tech new coach, new head coach Brent Pry is really uh, making a run after Joe Rudolph to come and coach his offensive line and become the run game coordinator for the Hokies team. Um, any Anybody that has uh, followed me on social media or um, heard us here on the podcast knows that I think it, it's been time for uh, a change and evolution within the Packers offense. Um, Rudolph has lost the, the offensive coordinating title. He took a 5% pay cut because of that. And I think he might be a little um, uh, hurt from that and then maybe looking for a different opportunity. Uh, he's been loyal to uh, Paul Chris for a long time. I think they've been together on, on staffs at Pittsburgh and Wisconsin for 11 years together. Um, so um, a built-in, uh, hopefully a built-in replacement for him as the offensive line coach and really opens the possibility of finding an offensive coordinator that can um, not take us completely out of Wisconsin football, but take us into a, a different age of evolution of Wisconsin football. Um, I'm excited to keep following that that idea. Uh, the rumor is that Wisconsin is still trying pretty hard to keep um, Joe Rudolph. Uh, the stat out of this whole story is that he was paid $676,000 to be the offensive line coach. Oh, oh boy. Okay. So that, that, that boys is your uh, Wisconsin basketball team uh, snuck one out against a good Nichols state team. Uh, played them real hard. Um, they were supposed to have a game. Thursday night against Morgan State. I believe that got canceled because of COVID. It did. I think they're actively they're actively looking for a game. Um, may or may not work. Uh, obviously, Eric, you mentioned the women's volleyball team. Uh, give a shout out to Coach Kelly Sheffield um, and the volleyball team for winning a national championship. I believe they were national runner-ups last year. So uh, to do that. Two years ago they were. Two uh, years ago they were. Two, what were. They didn't do it last, last year. year. I believe they were in the final four but did not go to the Natty. Um, or they lost uh, to Texas last year, I thought. You, you might be right. Two years ago. I know you two years right. ago they did. Okay. Uh, Dana Ratke, uh, the outstanding. I believe she was. I could be wrong on this, um, but I believe she was like a five-time All-American. Wow. She was the, nas the national player of the year this year. Um, just outstanding. Just an outstanding uh, player. Um, and a hell of a uh, – I don't know if you, guys, if you guys watched it, but the interview afterwards 
um, after they won the national title was outstanding. She's a, she was a great interview. Uh, she's, she's a kid that, um, that would do a lot of special things in her, in her life. Obviously there's not a, a lot of great professional opportunities to make a life out of, uh, college volleyball. So awesome. Uh, there, I did retweet on my personal Twitter, a video of coach Kelly Sheffield taking it in, soaking it all in. And, uh, any of us that have coached uh, uh, really know what that feeling is like. Uh, I'm just really happy for the guy um, and good for the Badgers and a national champion Badgers volleyball team. Awesome stuff. Um, the Bucks play on Christmas Day. Like I said, we'll do this in two weeks for the Bucks report. With that, we go to Ramsey's radar. And Ramsey. Hot tape did not pan out, boys. I don't think mine did either. Either that or I pushed. What was the hot take? I had the Vikings would, or that the Bears would cover, and it doesn't look, no, they did not push. I lost that one. That was a six-point spread. I took uh, New England over Indianapolis. Oh, I can't remember what I took. Regardless, I'm one and one on really Ramsey's hot take of uh, the betting odds. <laughs> Man, I, I I'm thought... trying to find the game that Justin had. I want to say I think he had. I want to say Justin's lock last week was Bills or Panthers, maybe on the Bills, but no, I think it was I think it was the Colts Patriots game. I don't remember. I think I, I think that's what it was. Regardless, um, not we really didn't sure. look too good last week, but we look ahead to week sixteen. Uh, we'll do, do a couple here from that, and then we'll look at some of the bowl games like we did last week. So yeah. with that, um, let's see, taking a look at week 16, which technically week 15 isn't over yet, but it will be by the time we record. Um, let's see, we always look for the big the biggest point spread, uh, which would be the Chargers and the Texans, and that being the Chargers by 9.5. Give me the Chargers to cover. Yeah, I'm same. Not I'm taking the Texans. All right. And then lock of the week for the NFL. Hey, where's, where's the game, though? Where Where's the game? That is does in it, Houston. Does it matter? I don't know. Oh, hell Houston. yeah, it matters. No one shows the up. Lions for Stadium. No Lions Stadium's a tough place to play in. No one shows up for right. either one I'm of those teams. That big old Texas emblem, whatever that is, in the center of the field, the block letters of Texans in the end zones, that's... That's You've seen a picture stuff, of the Ramsey. game. You've seen a picture of the team play. Have you looked at the, <laughs> the Texan stands this year? I don't even blame them. I, I would not show up to that shit show. <laughs> All right. So with that, any lock of the week, Ramsey? So just a couple, you know, kind of scroll through here. Niners, Titans is uh, Thursday Night Football. Browns, Packers, Colts, Cardinals, uh, Lions, Falcons, Ravens, Bengals. Rams, Vikings, Bills, Patriots, Jaguars, Jets, Giants, Eagles, Bucks, Panthers, Chargers, Texans, Bears, Seahawks, Steelers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, uh, football team, Cowboys, Dolphins, Saints. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you the hottest team in football right now. Uh, lock it in for old Coach Dahl. I'm taking the 49ers over the Titans. 
So that's the spread. The 49ers over the Titans. Three and a half. Three and a half for San oh. Francisco. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. My lock of the week. I'm going to take the Colts. Well, it's a one point spread. So I'm going to take the Colts on Christmas night to beat the Cardinals. Obviously, cover the spread. Colts money line. Mm. Which right now, it's a pretty, it's actually an even money line. So it's not like a great bet because it is such a pick 'em. Uh, actually, either way you go, it's minus 110. So truly the definition of a pick 'em. But give me the Colts on the money line. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to take New England at home against Buffalo. And that'd be, are they covering the two and a half? I'm picking New England. New England is the favorite, but and that'd be a minus 135. Yeah, give me New England. All right, so then we go to the bowl games for Ramsey's radar. And the college football bowl games, it'll happen before we record again. So to, or tomorrow night, I don't think we did this one, uh, was Missouri versus Army. Army, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me the fighting armies. America. <laughs> They're the Black Knights. No, the fighting armies is better. America. I want Army. Give, give me Mizzou. All right, then we go to Thursday. Missouri still has football. Somehow. Hell yeah. Missouri. Or Chase me. Daniel went to school, Ramsey. Chase freaking Daniel. And that other guy. All right. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Jake Locke? Yep. Was from there, too? Not Drew that Locke. I thought you meant. Drew Locke. Drew. So, <laughs> we go to Thursday action. We've got Jake, the first. Jake Locke, I think, was Washington or something. Yeah, Jake Locker. Didn't he get drafted? At- Locker. Locker. Yeah. We go Thursday. The Frisco. <laughs> this show sucks. Yeah, it does. The Frisco Football Classic. Miami of Ohio versus North Texas. Miami of Ohio, two and a half point favorite. Give me the Cowboys oh. in North Texas. I don't think that's what they mean, are, but. They're the mean green, and Miami of Ohio is the Red Hawks. No, give me the fighting Cowboys. I'm going to go Red Hawks in one shock on that one. You're taking Red Hawks. You're taking Red Hawks. I'm going mean green. Conference USA all day, baby. All right. Then we go to the Union Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl with the Florida Gators and the UCF Golden Knights. Ooh. smells on coaching the UCF Golden Knights. Florida's a seven-point favorite. Give me the Knights. I'm going to take Florida. I'm taking the Knights. Then we go to Christmas Eve in the Hawaii Bowl. Ooh. We've got Hawaii Ooh. taking on Memphis, and Memphis is a eight and a half point favorite, which I think I'm going to lean into as well. Yeah, I would take I would take Memphis and the points. I'll take Hawaii, playing at home, Christmas Day. Do they still play at Aloha Stadium, or did they, or did they condemn that yet? So. I I have no idea. I believe they play there yet. Christmas Day, we've got the tax at tax act Camellia Bowl. With Georgia State and Ball State, Georgia State a six-point favorite. Um, give me Ball State. You know what? I'm gonna say Ball State too, just for fun. 
Well, then I'm going to be weird and go with Georgia State. You do that, Justin. <laughs> Monday, we've got in the Quick Lane Bowl, Western Michigan and Nevada, with Western Michigan a seven-point favorite. I'm also going to go Western Michigan. Give me Nevada. Oh, Nevada's a bad pick, all right? Let me tell you why. Nevada's coach, Jay Norvell, just left and took a sidestepping job but about a million-dollar-a-year pay raise at Colorado State. Now, Colorado State has had about seven or eight transfers from Nevada just enter their school through this transfer portal period. So give me the Western Michigan bucking Broncos. I'm going to take the Lobos of Nevada. They are definitely the Wolfpack. <laughs> no, they're the Lobos. That's New Mexico. <laughs> That's New, New nope. Mexico. Little Lobos in Nevada. All right. <laughs> the Military Bowl of Boston College versus East Carolina. Uh, Boston College, a three-point favorite. Okay, Boston College. I'm going to go with the Pirates. The Pirates have a national championship winning coach in Mike Houston from James Madison University a couple years ago. When speaking of that, give me Jeff Halfley and the Boston College Golden Eagles. All right, let me go to Tuesday. Another ranked game in the Ticket Smarter Brigham Bowl, Birmingham Bowl. Birmingham. Yeah. English is awesome. <laughs> University of Houston taking on Auburn with Auburn a two and a half point favorite. I'm going Houston. Ooh, Give me Auburn. That's, that's basically a, a home game. That's a good game. All right. I am not a Dan Holgerson fan who's the head coach of Houston. I am going to go with Brian Harson. And the Auburn Tigers, War Eagle. I've never understood that. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. We're gonna give you some homework, Justin. You're gonna look that up for us next week. Well, what does that even mean? Like, That's what you're gonna look up for you? us. This is a report. This is it's a, the Badger report next week. It's gonna be what is War Eagle? What is War Eagle about? About oh. That's not a Badger report, though. That's Whatever. what I'm saying. That's Anyways. literally what I said. It's an, instead of. It's gonna be an Auburn report. Yeah, that's the real. In the Serve Pro dumb. First Responder Bowl, Air Force versus Louisville. Louisville is a one and a half point favorite. Give me Louisville. I'll also take Louisville. Ooh, triple option Troy Calhoun, one of the best coaches that doesn't get enough credit. He's been in for a lot of bigger jobs, but big teams have shied away from him because of the triple option. How many, I'm going how with many the National Air Force Falcons, baby. Give me the Air Force Falcons and the lightning bolts on their helmet. All right. We go to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Mississippi State versus Texas Tech. Mississippi State is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Give me Mississippi State. I think they cover, yeah. Give me the fighting leeches, baby. That's Texas Tech for everybody else who doesn't know. Mike Leach isn't coached there anymore. No. Mike Leach is the head coach of Mississippi State. Fool. When did that happen? Yeah, when did that, that happen? Last year. My bad. Two years ago. Is he run the spread option or the spread uh, air raid there still? Yeah, run and gun. Hell baby. yeah. Run and shoot. The so Mississippi Leaches. State Universal. All right. We got San Diego 
County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, UCLA versus NC State, with NC State being a one-point favorite over Chip Kelly in the UCLA. Give me the fighting Chip Kellys. You know, I think I'm going to go UCLA, too. They, they beat LSU. Dave Doran, the head coach at NC State, had a great year. He's been there a while. He's been on the hot seat. He's been off the hot seat. He's a former coach, a former Badger assistant who was the head coach at NIU and really took them. You guys remember the name Jordan Lynch? I do. The, the quarterback there. He was the head coach at that time. Okay? He came up with Jordan Lynch. He knows how to win games. But give me Chip Kelly in this one. Going all the way out for a home game in uh, San Diego. That's a that's a good matchup for Chip Kelly. Um, I'm excited for that one. All right. And then we got West West Virginia over Minnesota in the guaranteed rate bowl. Or I should say over because Minnesota is a four-and-a-half point favorite. And I'm saying ski you, ma, row the boat, P.J. Fleck with the win, four-and-a-half points. Give me the fighting mountain men of West Virginia. Yes, I agree. Go with go with the mountain men of West Virginia. All right, then last last couple games here before we record again. How many bowls are there? How many there are? There's too many. We got no way. the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU versus Virginia. How do, not, how do you not love a Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Ramsey? Very easily. That doesn't even make sense. What are the teams' Wasabi records? Wasabi shouldn't be in Fenway. Six and six and eight and four. Yeah, there's no need for that. Virginia, a two and a half point favorite. Yeah, I'm going is. Mustangs of SMU. Give me the Stangs. Ooh. Who's the other team? Virginia, the Cavaliers. Ooh, both have new head coaches. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Stangs. All right, we got the, the new the era pinstripe bowl. Maryland versus Virginia Tech. Maryland's a friggin' bowl team? That's what I'm saying. We have too many bowls. Virginia Tech. To... Maryland's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm going Hokies. Give me Vatek. Maryland. The Terps, baby. Mike Loxley, great recruiter. He's got them trending in the right direction. Has Maryland ever been in the right direction? Oh, Ralph Savage Region, is pretty cool. Don't you, don't you remember Ralph Region? He took them to, like, the Orange Bowl. Did they win? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Probably then they not. fired them, like, a year later. All right. Two more to go here, boys. The Cheese at Bowl, Clemson versus Iowa State. Clemson, a one point favorite. Give me Dabo. Didn't he have a bunch of recruits leave, too, though? Probably. Uh, coaches, his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator both took head, head coaching jobs. I'm going to go Clemson as well. Give me Dabo Ooh, to Jacksonville. Give me, I- give me Iowa State, baby. Matt Campbell. And then in probably what's going to be the best bowl game to this point, two ranked teams facing off, the Oregon Ducks and the Oklahoma Sooners, and OU, which makes – I know that it's, it's actually Oklahoma, but OU is how they put it on here. OU, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. What's the bowl? It is the Valero Alamo Bowl. Give me the Sooners. That's in Texas, ain't it? I believe so. That's a home game Alamo, for Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> So this one's interesting because both these teams have had head coaches uh, leave and take different jobs. Um, very interesting. Uh, and both the head coaches that are taking over 
Um, beside, uh, well, maybe I'm wrong. Anyways, give me Oregon. I'm going to go Oklahoma. All right, so that's I all the bowl Brad games before we record again. We need to put a petition out that if you don't have eight wins, you don't get to be in a bowl. Screw that. I'm with all the bowls. More TV, more product, better. That is if not we're going to allow Jake Paul to sell pay-per-views, we're going <laughs> to allow SMU to play in the Wasabi. You Fenway know, I can bowl. tell you what there, Justin. Nobody is going to pay to watch SMU in the Wasabi Bowl. Jake Paul's so going to do massive pay-per-view. You know, what? you know what it is? It's on TV. It's on in the background, and it's live football. There's what n- is wrong with live football? Because it's two shit teams. Who cares? Eight wins. You you're get gonna, to be in. When I it comes see. April, when it comes April, you're going to watch the USFL? Probably not. I will. I don't watch bad football. Because I'm, I'm a diehard football guy. You said you've watched the Jaguars a couple times this year, Ramsey. I watched Trevor yeah. Lawrence. I, oh. I have a love for Trevor Lawrence, not for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's fair. That's fair. You don't have a love for good football, then. Trevor Lawrence is a good football player. You want Maddie? Made another one. Yeah, because of, because of Dabo. Ooh. What did Dabo do when Trevor Lawrence left? Ooh. Yeah, what Dabo? What did Dabo do before he had? He had Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, well, what before? <laughs> outside Deshaun Watson, Dodge Trevor Lawrence. Boy. Yeah, it was garbage. More about Dodge Boyd was ever. No, Dabo was the man. He was aggressively average. Taj Boyd? The worst. There, there it is. There's the worst take of the year. That Taj Boyd was aggressively average? He was a good college football co- or player. He was pretty good. Aggressively average. So was average. T. Martin. So was T. Martin. Also he won a national championship. Average. I don't agree. All right. With that, time to talk Packers. Packers get a win by the skin of their teeth over the Baltimore Ravens. Can I say something about this real quick? Go ahead. To all you nerds that are hating on Mr. Harbaugh for going for the two-point conversion. Oh, I love it. You know nothing about football. I oh, agree. I love it. That was what you were – if you have Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline and you're going to say, okay, Aaron, let's go to overtime, your odds go drastically down. Go for the win. You have a, a quarterback that is minimal playing time who is twitchy in the pocket – who has been burning Green Bay for the last three drives, you go for two there. You don't play for overtime. You go for the win. And what that does is that makes every single player in that locker room go, our coach wants to win football games. And he believes that. Yep. And he believes that we're going to make a t- or we're gonna convert on a two-point conversion. Have here. you heard the audio from NFL Films about the I, conversation? I didn't. Yeah. I can imagine what was said, though. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. So before the drive starts, you hear Harbaugh talking to Tyler Huntley. Saying, hey, what do you want to do? If we score here, we can tie the game, and we're sitting pretty good, or we can go for the win right here. Tyler Huntley says, let's go for the win. When they call that timeout, he goes to Mark Andrews, asks him what he wants to do. He's kind of the you know, more or less the captain of the right. offense. Hey, what do you want to do? Let's go for the win. What? Well, and, and, and the kind of the one kind of thing I think is funny is in a way, it almost sounds like he's kind of tr- if you listen to the audio, it's almost like he's trying to talk them into the field goal. But at the same time, he's like, what do you want to do? We can, we're sitting good here. We can rely on the defense to see if they can get a stop and keep him on a field goal range or we can go for the win. Well, it's because all those dorks that are going to bash him on Twitter. Like, 
I get that people, oh, we don't care about Twitter. We don't care what the media says. But the media bashed those guys for going for two there. That's the right call. That's what you're supposed oh, to do. Oh, it's 100% the right call. And when I told, so we were watching the game. I was watching with my wife and my sister. And I'm like, they're going to score a touchdown here, and they're going to go for two. It's going to come down to a two-point conversion. You could see it right when they got that punt back at, what, the what the 43-yard line or something. It was a... It was not. A, it was a because they were Green Bay was backed up pretty far too. Right, but they got the ball back and good score or good position. They drove down the field and I looked at them as soon as they got that punt. I'm like, they're gonna go down and score a touchdown and go for two. That's what's gonna happen. That's what Baltimore does. Baltimore is like an aggressive team, and that's exactly what they did. And you cannot fault a team for playing to win a game. Well, here's the other side of that too. I mean. It's not like it's a situation where if Green Bay, you know, if you're either up by, if you're up five or whatever, and if you go for two or if you're up six or something like that, just to make them have to go for two, Green Bay probably, you know, in theory, if they go down and get a field goal, get in the field goal range ahead of timeout yet, Green Bay, all they need is a field goal, which you have a shaky at best right now kicker. Right. Who has done it before, but has not done it recently. Right. So, with that in mind, you kind of take the gamble because you can either go tied and say, okay, you know, they need a field goal and we lose. Or you can say, we get a half of a stop here. Either force them to kick a field goal if they make it great. If they don't, we win. Or we win if they can't even get in the field goal range. I'm a big fan of that move. Unbiasedly, I'm a big fan of that move. Yeah. Always go for two. Be aggressive. That's aggressive teams are winning in the NFL right now. Be aggressive. Go for two. So beyond that, though, so we look at the game. Uh, Green Bay survives. Still missing a lot of talent out on the field. Uh, will be without MVS this week, more than likely. He's on the reserve COVID list, as half yeah. the league seems to be right now. But regardless, he's on. Um, so they'll be without another wide receiving talent. Hopefully, this might be the week where Bakhtiari comes back. I think you know hasn't been ruled out here yet. Um, kind of against another de- you know depleted Browns team. They just lost and one of the, uh, was it Tack McKinley? Did I pronounce is that the right guy? Towards Achilles. Yep. So you look ahead. If you're looking ahead, lots of reasons to be excited. We kind of want to look back at the last game. Aaron Rodgers once again. I mean, I, I heard this discussion on radio the other day and. Does the MVP matter to Aaron Rodgers? And the host of the show was saying it shouldn't. It does. But sh- well, well, let me rephrase. Should it? Yeah. That's all Aaron has. And Aaron's, so Aaron falls into an interesting position, right? Because if you ask a lot of people who was the most talented quarterback to play in the league, you could probably make an argument that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented arm or most talented quarterback to play professional football. He's more he has more ability than Brady. He moves around the pocket better. Mm-hmm. He throws a better ball than Brady does. What's the difference? Brady has all the rings and Brady has all the accomplishments right. and Brady has all the accolades. So to Aaron, Aaron cares about that passer rating record, which isn't gonna necessarily stand with how some of these other younger quarterbacks have been playing. But Aaron cares about it. That means a lot to Aaron. Aaron's about Aaron. Aaron's very um, into himself. So to 
I don't want to say it like he, that means something to Aaron. I don't necessarily know if it's enough that he's going to force them to play him if it comes down to that. Like comes down to week 17 where, if you know, if I think he takes the bye over or takes sit in a week versus forcing a play. But I don't, I do think it does matter to him. And should it, I mean, it shouldn't, but everyone's human and everyone wants to be the MVP of the league. Maybe let me re-ask this, because the way the conversation went, should it matter to fans? No. Because fans should care about Super Bowls. And that's that's what the conversation was, because ultimately, and I know I put this on the, the agenda sheet today, the conversation they had was, which quarterback has the most pressure to win a Super Bowl? Uh, the whole It was the Zach Gelb show, CBS Sports Radio. Um, they were talking about how they thought initially that Matthew Stafford has the most pressure because he got the, he was a big trade. He hasn't been there, but they've got all this talent. They spent all this money, and you've got to get it done. You've got to prove that Detroit was what was holding you back and make a Super Bowl run with this team. Um, his producer said it was actually Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of agree with that. I 100% disagree with that. Who do, you, who do you think has the most pressure right now to win a Super Bowl this year? See, I'm going to say this about Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of people might disagree with this take, but this is how I view it. At this point in Aaron Rodgers' career, the majority of it was with Mike McCarthy. Right. And we could say questionable front office. And terrible defense, too. Right. So I think that we can say with Aaron Rodgers, and looking back at retrospectively at Aaron's career, you can probably make an argument that Aaron did not have as much support around him as some of these other quarterbacks have. And that might be, it's going to be interesting to look at that after he's done playing because while he is still playing, there's going to be some bias in that take. Like I said, though, I would think that if if you asked me I think Aaron Rodgers is underachieved a little bit, but I do think that's only to a point where I think he's as good as the talent was around him, and I think that he was covering up a lot of band-aids more, or a lot of warts more so than the roster helping him out. And I think that's how Aaron's career is going to be looked at, because I don't think any of us could sit here and say Aaron's not a quarterback. I think that, honestly, unless you consider him one of the better quarterbacks ever play. I think that that's probably an inaccurate statement at this point. Oh. One of the better ones to ever play. I mean, he's in that conversation. I don't think he's up there with Manning and Brady, but I think he's right below those guys. What if he wins his fourth MVP this year? See, that that's why I said that MVP probably matters to him because that's what he has. He didn't say, I won four MVPs in Green Bay. And they never really put the talent around me until later in my career. What does the second Super Bowl do for him? See, and that's the thing. I, 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 I would think it would, I would like to say, oh, it matters a lot. At this point, though, I think Aaron's legacy is kind of cemented with what he's been doing this year. You look at some of the injuries and some of the performances he's had over, I guess, in the last 18 months. Right. I don't think anything would take away from that. And uh, I would like to say that another Super Bowl helps, and it obviously would help his legacy, because he didn't say, okay, I won two. 
but I don't necessarily think if he doesn't get another one, his career is looked at as a failure. I think it's more looked at as some wasted talent. I, I don't know where you guys f- fall on that, but that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know that I agree. I don't. I I agree in the fact that Aaron Rodgers can hide a bunch of warts, but I don't think you talk about a guy that takes a team to four NFC Championship games, wins a Super Bowl, and wins and and currently has. He's been to five. He's been to five. He's lost five and and NFC Championship. So he's one for four. Yeah. So let's just go over that. One for five. He beat Chicago. Yep. He lost to Seattle. Lost to Which, Atlanta. Okay, so the Seattle game, you could say, okay, that really wasn't Aaron's fault. Aaron did everything in his power to win that game. The Atlanta game was a, just a buzzsaw. He ran had, into a... They had no business being in that game. Right. They beat Dallas on the Jared Cook up the sideline to a Mason Crosby field goal. They lose to San Francisco. Again. And then they lose to the Bucks. So... I don't know. I guess he got there, I would say, in... So he went there five times. Three of those games, he had the far inferior team. I would agree. San Francisco was far inferior. Atlanta was far inferior. And... But but, But we're still talking about a roster that was good enough to get there. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're a Super Bowl caliber team, though, either. Just like the, the, we were talking about the Atlanta game. They had no business being there, and they got to Atlanta. Okay, but in the four other games they were. I would say I, I would argue San Francisco, too, because that was a team that was winning, not fluky, but was winning close, winning ugly a lot in the first year of Matt LaFleur. And, yes, they did win a lot, but... It wasn't the team that they were last year. Sure, shit isn't the team that they were this, that they are this year. And I would say that they should have beat Tampa Bay last year. Like retrospectively, looking back on it, I think Green Bay was probably the better team that day. They just happened to run into. They the had the hot... perfect storm. They had they had a bad situation before the end of the half. Right. They get the ball back and fumble on the first play from scrimmage or second play from right. scrimmage. Get themselves down in a basically a, that's a basically a fourteen point swing because they end up scoring touchdowns on both right. plays. And I think the Seattle game, obviously, I think Green Bay was a better team that day as well. I just think that they happened to run into again. If you look at it, it was a perfect shitstorm show. Like that's what happened in Seattle. That Green Bay was up by what two scores with three minutes left, four minutes yeah, left. Yeah, like it wasn't much. Oh, oh. So over half, you're saying that they were the better team. I think they were the better. I think that they were the better team against Seattle, and I think they were the better team against Tampa Bay and Chicago. Obviously, well, Chicago, 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 Chicago we're just kind of disregarding because that's not they won the Super Bowl. That's we're talking about kind of the ones they've lost, right? And I would say the two games that they did lose, Aaron wasn't necessarily to blame for either one. Aaron could have played better. I think we can all agree. Tampa Bay, Aaron could have played better. And Aaron probably could have played better in Seattle. But those were two of probably the better defenses that we've seen in the last decade. You go back yeah. 10 years, those two defenses are probably the two best I'd defenses. Agree with that. So I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't necessarily like being on that side of that, Aaron. I just don't think that he necessarily had as much help as some other 
teams and quarterbacks to put around their so let, let me go back to the question for you, Rams, before I ask Justin. Of all the quarterbacks in the league this year, and let's, I mean, let's be real, there's a handful of contenders. Who has the most pressure to win the Super Bowl this year? Stafford, Brady. You think Brady has pressure? I think I think it's a lot of pressure. It's kind of because really? they were the odds-on favorite to win Super Bowl again, and regardless of again, like I kind of went back to the whole um, Ravens going for two thing. You, people might say that, hey, I don't pay attention to what goes on, on social media. I don't pay attention to what's said about me in media in general. To a point, though, you can't get away from it. And I think that Brady has a lot of pressure on himself. And I think there's an expectation that Tampa Bay is going to be back in that situation. Just like I think Patrick Mahomes has a lot of pressure on him. See, too. I was going to say, that's my answer is Patrick Mahomes. For the reason being that if you that's, look... If you, I would agree. If you look at what he has been these last, let's say, two and a half years. Well, two years, the last two, sure. and then this season. He played not great in the first three quarters of that game against the 49ers. Picks up in the fourth quarter, they get a win. Which they probably shouldn't have. Last year, they get bitch slapped, curb stomped, bolt raced against the Buccaneers. Where really, the champ, the Super Bowl was that NFC Championship game. Right. If we're being honest. I mean, it wasn't in the sense that it literally wasn't, but it let's call well a spade been. a spade. That's what the better two teams were of the year. And at this point, that's kind of looking the case again. Yeah. I That that very well could be the case this year. And if he, they go, and if it's an NFC team, if Patrick Mahomes gets there, if they, even if they don't get there, you've seen a drastic decline from where we're talking about possible dynasty to going from squeaking out a Super Bowl, which still counts. I mean, he still was, you know, one of the best players in the league that year. Losing a Super Bowl and not even being close to either losing again or not even making it. Right. And I, I just, like I said, I think there's a lot of off-the-field stuff catching up with him. His stupid brother and his wife, or fiance, whatever they are. That's his wife, man. Sure. <laughs> whatever. Wh- whatever they are right now. His brother being a fool and getting kicked out of bars and and being more of a storyline than the football player is, his brother. It, it's just, it's kind of all catching up. And eventually, you're, I mean, they paid him already, so he's kind of locked in. But that financially is going to hit a cliff at some point. It has to. I would say with the Patrick Mahomes deal, I, I think that he was on just such a massive wave that he was riding that everything kind of worked for him. And at this point, since the Tampa Bay game really last year, they kind of figured out that he's not going to take what's easily available to him. Right, he's not. He doesn't check the ball down. He doesn't like to check down, and he's still a great player. I just think that he might not be. He might be a little more Brett Favre than Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, the Drew Breeses. Uh, the the success that we've seen of these cerebral quarterbacks that just go and pick you apart and slice you up, and even Aaron Rodgers for the most part. 
I think Patrick Mahomes runs the same problem that Brett Favre ran into is that when you have such an arm talent that you get away with being more talented and that gets you into trouble because you just rely on your talent more so than the, the, read, the scheme. The, yeah, the, exactly. So, and honestly too, I think that the weapons are going a little older too. I don't think Tyreek Hills is as good as he was. I don't think Travis Kelsey is as good as he was. I think the loss of Sammy Watkins really hurts. I think we're seeing that a lot actually right now. Of they kind of could just use that veteran receiver that's gonna do the little dirty things that some of these other guys aren't doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they're. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has most pressure on him. I, and for what it's worth, even Aaron's attitude this year seems to be just a lot more laid back with stuff. Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if his media availability he had, I believe, today or maybe yesterday. He dropped some quotes. They're kind of very reflective of his career and talking about um, his run to this point. And, and another one of those interviews where it's just I don't see how anyone can really think that he still wants to leave Green Bay. Just praising the organization, praising the players he plays with now, has in the past, ha- praising the city, the fans. And even the management today, just to that extent, like I said, I just I don't see it. But um, talking about the touchdowns today and kind of looking back as he's going to break the record this week, unless Cleveland has the game of their season, he's going to break Brett Favre's franchise record. Uh, to this point, including playoffs, Aaron Rodgers has 487 touchdown passes to four to 44 receivers. That includes playoffs. Right. Devontae Adams, number one, with 73. Jordy Nelson, 70. Randall Cobb, 49. James Jones, 45. Uh, then Jennings at 42. Driver, 23. Finley had 19. He had a really good run there for about three years, two years. Tunyon with uh, 16. Richard Rodgers at 15. Valdez Scantling, 14. James oh Jones. God. Bob Tunyon, and who was after Bob? Richard Rodgers. How the fuck did Richard Rodgers have 15 touchdowns? No clue. Is he even in the league anymore? I don't think so. Justin, do you know that? Uh, last I know, he was with uh, Philadelphia, but I believe he got cut. And I do not know. I will look it up right now. All right, I'm going to keep going through the list. Uh, MVS is 14, James, or Aaron Jones is 13, uh, John Kuhn 10, Alan Lazard 10, Donald Lee 9, Geronimo Allison 6, Eddie Lacy 6, Jamal Williams 6, uh, Jimmy Graham had 5, Spencer Havener had 5, Spencer Havener had 5 touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Corliss had 5, um, James Starks had 5, Tom Crabtree had 4, Mercedes Lewis, Big Dog has four. Jared Cook had three. Brandon Jackson had three. Jeff Janis had three. Ty Montgomery had three. AJ Dillon has two. Lance Kendricks has two. J- Jake Kumro has two. Jay Sternberger had two. Brandon Bostic had one. The rest of these all have one. Brandon Bostic had one. I don't even know. Boynton had one. Dominique Daphne, one. Trevor Davis, one. Josiah DeGuara won. Ryan Grant won. Uh, Corey Hill had one. You remember Corey Hill, the fullback? No. Um, Ruvel Martin had one. 
the big white tight end, I think James Perillo, Justin Perillo, Justin Perillo, wore number 80. Yep. We Donald Driver had one. Aaron Rupkowski had one. Uh, Man, number eighty-two with number with Taylor as the last name had one. We're just getting the weeds there. Malik Taylor had one. The fact that I only don't know one first name is impressive. I want to give myself a pat on the back for that. We're getting into the weeds though. After about what six of Eddie Lacy, six coming down. That's that's (laughs) getting into the guys who haven't played in the league in ten years territory. Yeah. Remember Ryan Grant? So, so current Richard Rogers' uh, status is okay. He's on his third stint with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he is on their practice squad. In 2019, he got cut. Went to Washington Football Team. Got cut. Went back to Philadelphia. Got cut. Went to Arizona, signed on their practice squad, got cut after three days, and then Philadelphia in October, on October 20th of 2021, signed him to a uh, practice squad deal. So I guess that's what I was getting at earlier with the lack of talent around him. The fact that Richard Rodgers had 15 touchdowns from him, and since he's left, has basically been a practice squad guy. Well, his best season was in 2015. He he started 12 games. Uh, he had 58 receptions for 510 yards with the 61 yard long, and he had eight touchdowns in that season. I'm not gonna lie, I did not realize Marquez Valdez Scantling had 14. He's been in Green Bay a while now, though. This is his fourth year, right? I like I said, that threw me off. Um, I I know majority of his career was with Brett Favre, but the fact that Donald Driver only had 23 from Aaron Rodgers kind of... Or Greg Jennings had, what, 40? 42. That's a lot. And then just the jump from 42 to 23. From Jennings to Driver. Well, Driver was kind of over the hill, though, by the time Aaron was around. No, I, I right, I agree. Like I said, just it was kind of... One of the great packers of all time, though, Donald Driver. Definitely. Man, did he, Hell run, yeah. he, did he run good routes. I will... He was the man. He was good. I miss Donald. Man, was he great for the community or what? Like, I can't honestly, say enough good honestly, things about Donald Driver. Love Donald Driver. Still great for the community. Yeah, still doing all sorts of stuff in Green Bay. Awesome guy. Christian Driver, though, he's he's a disappointment. Christian. <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> he hasn't even played a college game yet in Justin's... Uh, what a, he what went a, to the wrong team. Screw him. We he went. We went to host him. What do you want, Justin? Huh? The Wisconsin Badgers no. weren't going to accommodate for the date that he wanted to come. Hey, you when the Badgers call, you answer the call. No. Period. Period. I think we've had enough conversations about why that's not true, but <laughs> Badgers are aggressively <laughs> average. Maybe. Anyway. The Badgers are the Kirk Cousins of the Big Ten. That's accurate. Ooh, that might be a good, accurate statement. Might be. <laughs> I have a good one every once in a while. They're like the, they're like the Bernie Kosars, though. Like every year, or every so often, they'll have a phenomenal year. Talk about Bernie Kosar. 
They're the Vinny Testaverde of Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, that's too average. Maybe the Matt Stafford. No, Matt Stafford sucks. <laughs> just going around. Anyway, so just taking a look. Uh, like I said, oh, Russell Wilson. Duh. Packers get the job done this week. And really, I mean, not a whole lot, I don't think, to take away from that game. The offense, pretty good, aside from the first quarter. The defense was... Defense was a little concerning, but Mark Andrews is a special <laughs> talent. Uh, not really a whole lot of film on Tyler Huntley. Didn't, couldn't quite get home to f- kind of rattle him until late in the game. Rashawn Gary was all over the backfield, though. I think that we really noticed the losses oh. of Darius Smith the last few weeks, too, of not having that number one pass rusher guy. Right. Not having that elite pass rusher coming off the edge. I think that we've noticed Darius Smith being gone the last few weeks. I was just, I, I don't know. I'm, I think it was more or less how bad the technique was. That's, that's also bad, true. Uh, and how bad it, or how long it took Joe Barry to come up with the with the adjustment of having your edge rushers stay outside. They were basically baiting our edge rushers to take the inside rush. Right. The inside rush. Like just you just go ahead. We got a guy that's gonna run a four a four six, four seven, and he'll get us 10, 15 yards every freaking time. Like I I don't I, I guess the technique of it all was bad. Special teams. And the Badgers or the the Packers have played the the same style of defense all year long, right? It's like a zone man. They zone in the back end or whatever. It's this Joe Barry style, and it's been highly successful. And now the pressure's on Joe Barry because he's got tape out there, right? And and, and coaches are going to learn. Now I was listening to the radio today. The Packers over their last four games given up 30 and a half points a game defensively. Now, some of that you could put on the special teams. Honestly, right. I would say I was like the majority of a lot of that. When, that when the other team, and granted, you played the Bears and you played the Ravens now and the Rams, and who would have been the fourth game? Vikings. 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 Thank you. So when you play teams with talented offenses, and the Vikings have an average quarterback with talented weapons. I mean, you look at Delvin Cook, uh, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. You look at the Rams with as many weapons as they have. When you look at, even, I mean, the Bears, as limited as they've been, but then also a very good Ravens team, even without Lamar. You cannot be letting them start with the ball at the 35-40 yard line every time they have the ball. Well, like I said, I think we're I think we're starting to see the losses of Darius a little bit because it doesn't necessarily like Rashawn Gary's in the backfield, right? And he Rashawn Gary's played well, I but it's not he's not the pass rusher that is putting a lot of pressure on these guys either. I think Justin brought that, or one of you guys brought it up a few weeks ago about how the pass rush is a little bit concerning. Well, I think the biggest it is yeah. The biggest thing this week, I think, was just missing that presence in the middle that's been Kenny Clark. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And hopefully looking forward to getting hopefully getting him off the COVID list. I don't know. I haven't heard any updates on him, but 
look to have him hopefully playing this week against Cleveland. And whoever's playing quarterback, I, I think Baker was out of, with with COVID as well. So assuming he'll be back there, you need to put pressure on Baker. No, you don't. To a degree you do. No? No. Baker? He's so, he's falling apart. Like I don't think Baker's what we need to be worried about. I think we gotta be worried about I, keeping I think, Aaron Rodgers healthy this week. I, I think you want to keep him in the pocket more or less than outside the pocket. That's fair. Like I, I just mean like you want to rattle him in the sense that you don't want to let him have all day to throw because he still is a very arm talented wise, aggressively average, aggressively average quarterback who's playing hurt. You want to rattle him? I'll, I'll give it to Baker. He's been tough this year, and he's he's played okay for the amount of injuries he's had. But I don't think Baker's any concern for us this week. He's probably the no, worst. I, I, he's probably the worst quarterback we're going to play remaining. I think I think our biggest thing going into this week That's is Rams is exactly right. Is our offensive line against that defensive line? That defensive line has some studs on it, and we need to keep A Rod upright and healthy. Yeah, just don't hurt A Rod this week. Whatever, whatever we do, just win, lose. I don't care. Just make sure Aaron's healthy. Um. Miles Garrett makes me a little nervous. Yeah. I do got to say, though, you know, we talk about the concerns. Just the fact that how great this patchwork offensive line has been. Um, yeah. I mean, and you look yes. at you're without Elton Jenkins. You're without David Bakhtiari. You're without your high round center. Billy Turner's not been. He's been out recently. But you got to think that just Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari are Pro Bowl level guys. Mm-hmm. Billy Turner is probably a top 12 at his position in the league. So he's probably somewhere between 8 and 12, depending on the day. Right. And just outside of Pro Bowl conversation, but still pretty good. Better than whoever the average guy is. Yeah, like I said, just outside of Pro Bowl conversation. So you're missing. Potentially three Pro Bowl level guys, and you lost your Pro Bowl center, right? As as a free agent, and draft a his replacement who has also been hurt most of the year. And the offensive line has looked good. I mean, they, there was a couple sketchy parts this past week where Baltimore kind of got after Aaron a little bit, but I mean, we can we really complain about the offensive line? I mean, they've played for what it is. And that really helps with Aaron, too, because Aaron's uh, manipulating the snap counts and Aaron's manipulating the offensive line probably better than any quarterback in the league right now. And you got to respect Aaron because he can get it out that fast. But, man, it's... Uh... It's patchwork. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's an excellent job by the front office to get guys that fit the scheme. Right. They've hit on just about every guy that they've had come in, too, whether that be um, Yash Nijman. At tackle, Dennis Kelly coming, getting him late into camp. Um, looking at guys like, oh God, what's the the guard on that side, number seventy? Royce Newman. Royce Newman. Thank you. Uh, having him kind of being able to step up, you know, really, like I said, just not missing on guys, and 
finding fit after fit. And I don't know if that's on the scouting. I mean, it sure it is. It's on the scouting. Front office for getting the guys in. Coaching staff for kind of fitting the mold for what they need. Right. Um, kind of Again, just kind of incredible. We look ahead to this week's game against the Browns. Packers a seven-point favorite. Christmas Day at Lambeau. I, I don't see a situation in which the Browns win unless they can really get to Aaron Rodgers consistently. But even they're, they're playing so hurt and so depleted on their team, I just I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening on a short week that are going to have, what, five days in between games? Yeah. And that's hard. On top of that, you're going to come to Lambeau. It's going to be packed. environment. Green Christmas Bay, Day. For what it's worth, Green Bay is still playing for quite a bit. Yeah, they have a, I mean, yes, they have a one-game cushion, but you have three more games to go. And you have two division games. And for what that's worth, the Vikings are always a tough game. And Detroit, honestly, has been playing. They've been playing tough as they have all year, except the Philadelphia game. They've played tough. They've played everybody tough all season. And With the exception of Philadelphia. That one Philadelphia game is really the only game where they went out and laid an egg. But aside from that. Can you imagine that when we saw Dan Campbell yelling about kneecaps? And we're all like, oh, that's dumpster fire of the year radar. They play hard. I, I'll give them that, man. They might not be – they don't have the most talent, obviously. They're probably lesser talent than just about every team that they play. But they play everybody hard. See, that's the difference between a guy like an Urban Meyer and – and that's maybe where Justin's right is the sense that you get a first-year guy who's never been a head coach before at this level and gets a team to buy in versus a guy like Urban Meyer who's never been in the NFL but has been a head coach numerous – you know, organizations, schools, whatever, at some very high-level programs, Florida, Ohio State. Utah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and has been successful, but you look at getting guys, grown men, to buy into a culture, just a massive difference between those two. And who would have thought that Dan Campbell in – one season would have been ultimately more successful than Herbert Meyer. I, I never in a million years would have thought that. No. Justin? Well, I think, you know, I love the Dan Campbell hire for, for uh, Detroit because Detroit was a, an anomaly, right? They've hired, they, they got rid of Caldwell, who was really kind of, changing things and, and then he kind of plateaued. He went nine and seven, nine and seven or something close to that. Got them to the playoffs and his firing for them was a little shocking because they were stuck and they were trying to get trying to get over the hill too fast. And Caldwell was doing it and they got rid of him. And then they went with Patricia and he went with this hard nosed um doesn't fit the system type of guy, um, uh, Bill Belichick system. I think they, I think they realized that their 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 decades of of uh, futility were necessary to change the culture. And this was a guy that could really focus on being just the head coach, on being a a player's coach on somebody that could come in and change the locker room 
And I think the, the most drastic difference between what we were talking about a Jaguars situation and a Detroit situation is, is for all the things that Trevor Lawrence could be, that Jared Goff has, has been places already that can help lead a team. While he's not a great quarterback, while he is probably headed for a career of being a backup, he's been through so much experience in his career as a player already. He's a number one pick. Yep. He's, 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 he's been to a Super Bowl. He's led a playoff team. He's done a lot of things that I think the match of what they did with Campbell to Goff is, is so good to bridge. And I don't necessarily know or think that maybe Goff doesn't uh, get a contract again as they draft a quarterback to come in and kind of maybe sit behind Goff for a year and learn and, and continue to change the culture for the positive. I've liked what Detroit has done there. I think it's, I think they're in a positive. I, I like what they're doing more than I like what Chicago's doing. Put it that way. I agree with that. I don't know if they draft a quarterback this year, though. They're going to be drafting, what, three or four? Detroit? Well, yeah. they have two. Two or three. They have two. Probably. But I would, I'm going to guess Detroit's going to squeak another win out. They're, they've been relatively hot. They're going to be top five pick, but I don't really see a quarterback that's better in the draft this year than what Jared Goff is. That's accurate. Jared Goff well, is... They have two. They have two picks in the first round for a couple of years. Yeah, good good Detroit. I, I I'm with you, Justin. I like where they're going. They are. It's better than I ever would have thought it would have turned out. And in a weird way, I'm kind of pulling for them to be good because I think the NFL again is gonna be better if Detroit's good. And I well, would, the, you know, Detroit's got Detroit's got a a, a footprint. In the NFL with, you know, they're the Thanksgiving Day team. If Detroit is good, their city's big enough for a huge following. Their brand is big enough for a huge following. Um, but what they're doing, they've drafted a franchise left tackle. Right. They, they have built from the inside out. Um, they have a real opportunity now to pick a piece on on offense and pick a piece on defense here over the next three years they get two first round picks i believe it is it's two or two two years and then a third year down the road or something something close to that nature um what they're doing is fantastic and and dan campbell is the right choice the right person to change what they are Yeah, I'm I'm all for it too. And if you look at this division, I mean, just even the timing of of building that culture, I mean, odds are whether that be that at the end of this year, next year, whenever the Aaron Rodgers era and, and this roster kind of comes to a head, you're looking at a team that's probably gonna take a couple steps back unless Jordan Love really develops um next year or two, which we can have that conversation later, different episode. 
but you look at that, you look at a team that kind of is what it is with Minnesota in you have Kirk Cousins, you've got talented wide receivers, but you've probably got the wrong quarterback. They're going to be hiring a new head coach likely this year. Good. And then you look at Chicago where you have the young quarterback may or may not be hiring a head coach this year too, but not a whole lot of talent around the young quarterback. So really just kind of figuring that situation out and kind of being a little bit more proactive than their teams in the division you can get a real leg up in, say, two or three years down the road. I don't know how proactive it is versus they've been bad forever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, no, I, yeah. I agree. That's a... Uh... What? That was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, what a throw from Stafford. What a catch by Cup. Didn't Justin just say Stafford was trashed? He did, yeah. Are you in watching Detroit? this game? Are you watching this game, Justin? No, I'm actually watching Washington and Philadelphia. Why? How? Uh, so I've not, I have not watched. Playoff. This is a playoff game. I have not watched Philadelphia play this year. I have been told they're very interesting. Yeah, they're something. <laughs> but Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders is interesting. He's got like 800 yards. Uh, rushing and not one touchdown all year long. And I've heard Jalen Hurts is interesting to watch too. Just like well, you'll throw it all over the place. They're winning. They're leading. Go Eagles. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. A, I don't know if I'm a Nick Sirianni fan or not. I mean, both these teams are six and seven. Um, I think. This is a back end of the uh, playoff type type of game. I think it's interesting. I like I love I love Washington's defense when they're healthy. Um, I really like Ron Rivera. And, yeah, I, I'm a Ron Rivera fan, but I'm more interested. Garrett Gilbert is starting this game for for Washington, and he's just been getting hammered. Um, I I don't know who they have as a backup because they just signed him off of um, New England's practice squad last like Thursday, I believe. It Tory was. McLaren or something. It's unbelievable. Just pulling yeah. Chase Young back out to run spread option. <laughs> uh, Kyle Allen was their other backup. But he's out with COVID with Heineken, right. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So who their actual backup in tonight's game is? Um, let's see. Jordan Tayamo. Who? Tamoa. Oh. I don't know. Tamu. Ta- he was a. Uh, he was a. Uh, he was a quarterback for Ole Miss, and then he. Um, he played in the XFL. He was Heineke's backup for the Battlehawks. The Battlehawks. But he lit it up. And they also Somewhere. have they also had on the practice squad Kyle Shermer, the son of Pat Shermer. Hmm. Who is the son of Fritz Shermer? That's who Justin went to high school with. Uh that's who I know the Packers. <laughs> if you if you're gonna if you're gonna define a Packers defensive coordinator. You better start and end with Fritz. 
All right. Pass. Fritz was the man. Anyway. You probably start and finish with Ray Rhodes. What a terrible take that is, Justin. Terrible take. <laughs> we don't talk about Ray Rhodes in this podcast. He was a former Packers head coach. He was 8-8. Eight and eight. Unjustly fired. We don't talk about Ray Rhodes in this podcast. Yeah, Ray Rhodes is... We've broken two cardinal rules today. We don't talk about Seattle in 2014. We don't talk about Ray Rhodes. That's fair. Yeah, well this, uh, let's wrap this thing up before it gets too much worse. Packers, Browns, Packers seven-point favorites. I'm taking Packers in the points. Christmas Day, Ooh. wrap it up. Yeah, give me the pack. Pack by seven. I would stay away from that game, though, if I would be betting on it. Seven's a big gap in Cleveland. Seems way. I agree. That's gonna be a that's a this is a, this is a must win game for Cleveland. I think Green Bay is gonna win, but I wouldn't necessarily be betting on the Packers this week. All right, I've got a question before we start doing the the rooting for him. Maybe I'll do the rooting for. If that's all right with you, Eric. Go ahead, lead it off, buddy. I'm my question. My root for is of all the Christmas presents that you boys could get, what are, what is the present that you're rooting for that you do get? This year? Well, of course. Okay. Well, I wanna I'm gonna start with this that uh, my family already had our Christmas. Um, and what I rooted for it actually benefits this show is I asked for an external hard drive for my laptop because uh, that's been kind of getting tapped out here with all the episodes every week. So I got my four terabyte hard drive for my laptop, and Sweet. That, that was very needed. So thank you to my parents and, and my family um, for providing Thanks, Mama, that. Mama Fish. For providing that. Um, also, just that um, my mom has surgery this week coming up. I'm not going to go too much into the details as that's kind of – most people who know me kind of know the situation, but she doesn't uh, want a whole lot of people – I don't know if she doesn't want a whole lot of people knowing the situation who are outside of it, but um, praying for her for a successful surgery on Thursday that she comes yes, out yes. pretty good on the other side of that. I, I know she will, but just want to shout her out here too. Um, so just to help me – thinking ha- about you, my- Healthy, happy family all the way around, and uh, that that awesome hard drive. Rams, Ramsey, I'll pass. Oh yeah, he hates. No, come on, he hates Christmas. You kidding me? No, Christmas is the greatest. The two things, the two things that came to my mind initially, I am not going to say on here. So we will just. If you guys, if you guys want to know, if you if you want to know what I was gonna say, a year you can, subscription to a website. You can message me privately, and I will now. tell you. <laughs> a year subscription to a website with a pocket pal. No, it wasn't it. But <laughs> if you message me, I will tell you what it was. All right, what about you, Justin? Uh, I have a strange feeling that I think I maybe, maybe did not get this. I think I got a Blackstone grill, boys. That's that's going to be key for old Coach Dahl in the summer. I'm I'm hoping. 
We'll see. That's the most dad thing ever. Like I'm, so, I hope that I hope that's what it is. I'm rooting for you, Justin. That, but that's like the dad thing, man. That's so cool. <laughs> right? Blackstone girls are awesome. Yeah, is that even getting old? Like me and one of our other buddies, Josh, is big into uh, smoking okay. and making smoking meat. meat. Smoking meat. Yeah, making meat in the summer. Like that's just such a dad thing. I, I'm just not there in my life yet, but maybe one day. You get there. You will get there, my friend. I don't know. I kind of want a Corvette. There you go. All right. So with that, we can go into our sports, what we're rooting for this week. And Justin, since you let us off, or you didn't lead us off, you let us down that uh, question, but why don't you lead us off with this one? What I'm rooting for? Yes, sir. Oh, I don't know. A lot of bowl games, a lot of good football, a lot of basketball. Shit, there's too much to root for. This is a good, you know, when we were talking just a, a few weeks ago when we said it was the best time of the year when college football regular season was ending up and that uh, college basketball was starting and, and NFL was in the, in, the, in the flow, we're talking about a week that NFL was playing, what, four, five nights uh, in the week. Uh, we're talking about college football on almost every night. We're talking about college basketball on every night. This is uh, a great time for snacks and beers and, and family and whiskey, all that hoopla and whiskey and, and hoopla. And so I'm just praying for a great week. Uh, generalization boys. That's where it's at. All right. So I'm going to take, uh, obviously, besides the Packers coming up and everything Justin just mentioned, because he basically mentioned all the sports, I really want to watch that all Madden documentary that they've been promoting all week or the last couple, or the last month or so that's going to be on Fox. I think that's going to be incredible. A look into one of the bigger, I guess, more premier minds of football. I mean, you look at kind of just an innovator from you know winning a Super Bowl becoming the broadcaster and, and being so successful on that avenue and even the Madden football games, how that kind of all came to be. I'm really curious on who they all pulled in for this documentary. I know that they have Aaron Rodgers involved. Tom Brady. I'm sure Brett Favre's going to be involved. Tom Brady. So really kind of wanting to see how that shakes out. Rams, you got anything here either? No. All right. So with that. Oh, I'm rooting that the NCAA realizes there's too many bowl games and we need to make an 8-1 limit to be invited to a bowl. That's a terrible take. All right. So with that, uh, we do want to wish you, as the Root for Wisconsin show, a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Kwanzaa. Merry Festivus. Happy Festivus, whatever it is. And all the other holidays out there, we hope you have a wonderful time with your family and get some good food, good drinks, good family time, all that, and watch some sports, and we'll be back next week. This is episode 54 in the books. We're signing off. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Also, Justin. We're out. See ya. Bye. Salute.